Isn't that great? Isn't that awesome? Man, what fun. And, and let me tell you about children's camp, Camp Will Run. It, it, uh, it is exciting to see uh, the, these young people uh, be so focused uh, on not just having fun, although the red shark, that, that was that thing in the water that they were pulling, the red shark. Um, I don't do that anymore. I'm uh, just saying, but that, that's a great time. And, uh, but all the, all the events and activities, archery and BB guns and sports and games, all that's great. But these, these students, these young people, they are so focused uh, on what it is that God would say through his word. I mean, they, they're, they're keyed in. And uh, it was exciting to watch them uh, just experience uh, that whole camp. Uh, the reason they were able to experience the camp uh, primarily is because there were individuals who were committed to give up time, resources, talent, rest, TV, internet, coffee, uh, chocolate. They gave up all the necessities of life uh, in order to pour into these young people and to serve them. And uh, I'm thankful that we had those um, counselors and junior counselors and leaders who were committed to serve um, because as a result, lives were changed forever. And not just the 23 individuals who came to know Jesus as Savior and Lord, that's an eternal change, but um, there are lives that have been influenced forever uh, by uh, something as crazy as a bandana color. Uh, yellow and pink and hot pink and lilac, those are the teams. Uh, see what I'm saying? I mean, it just so sad. Just got crazy khaki and do we have any lilacs in here? What is that? I can't see it up there. The green. I don't re there wasn't really a green team, wasn't there? I don't remember that green team. Oh, oh man, I'm so sorry. Red, red. Do we have any yellow in the house? Yellow in the house? Ye yellow in the house. Yeah, red. See, you see what I'm saying? I mean, just crazy. I mean, and, and this is tame. I mean, they're, they're kind of intimidated by this room. Not really, not at all. But uh, it's exciting uh, that uh, because, because of individuals serving others, lives were changed. And today I want to talk a little bit more about serving, and, and that's kind of where we are in this journey, Red Letter Series, as we listen to what Jesus has to say to us through his word. We're, we're at the place now where we're uh, hearing Jesus as he talks about going to the cross, and, um, and in, that, in that process of teaching us of him going to the cross, we hear uh, him give us lessons on how to live our life. And and so I, it's really about serving, and I want us to kind of look at this a little bit. A real simple message today. Let me just be very clear. It's a real simple message. It's not complex. Deep theological truth in it, uh, but it's very simple, okay? So Mark chapter 10, let's begin verse 32, and then let's look and see uh, what Jesus has to teach us today. All right, begin verse 32. Now, they were on the road going to Jerusalem, and Jesus was going before them, and they were amazed and as they followed, they were afraid. And then he took the 12 aside and began to tell them the things that would happen to him. 
Verse 33, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed uh, to the chief priests and to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles, and they will mock him, and they will scourge him, and they will spit upon him, and they will kill him, and the third day he will rise again. Then... James and John. Now, I want, to get, I want you to get the picture here. Jesus has just given this sober truth. He says, clear language, we're going up to Jerusalem. I'm going to be killed. All right, so that's what he said. You see that, verse 32. Very simple language, very clear language. I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to be killed. I'm going to rise again. Immediately after he said those words, James and John came with a presumptuous request. I mean, immediately after, they're walking along. Jesus just finishes saying, rise again. Then James and John come running up and say, but Jesus, here's the request. Will you do for us whatever we ask? Will you do for us whatever we ask? Verse 36, and Jesus said to them, well, what do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, grant us that we may sit, one on your right and the other on your left, in your glory. And Jesus said to them, you don't even know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? Verse 39, they said to him, we are able. And Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink the cup that I drink. And with the baptism I am baptized with, you will be baptized. Man, they could have done better with that. Woo! Uh, Verse 40, but to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared. And the ten heard what James and John had done. They began to be greatly displeased with James and John. And Jesus called them to himself and said to them, now here's where we're going to learn some lessons. He says, you know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them, verse 43, yet it shall not be so among you. Whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant, and whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. I want you to stick with verse 45 because that is the key verse in this passage. But here's what I'm going to tell you. Mark chapter 10, verse 45 is the key verse in the whole of Mark's gospel. It is the defining verse of Mark's gospel. It is the crux, the keystone and the capstone of Mark's gospel. The Son of Man has come not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. What led Jesus to say that was in some ways he's restating what he began with. We're going to go up to Jerusalem, uh, and I'm going to be killed. Uh, verse 45 is kind of a restatement of that, but it's a, it's a more poignant lesson for his followers then and now. So as we hear what Jesus has to say, let's remember a couple of things. First, Jesus is teaching us a better way to live. That's what he's doing. Okay, As followers of Christ, we become so consumed with um, the culture around us, okay? And I'm not against culture. I just know that culture is not the defining ingredient, should not be the defining element of how we live our life. And for many of us, uh, it is. But, but as we look at, 
at where Jesus was and where Jesus was going and his followers and where they were and where they were going and us today. What do we learn? We learn that culture wants to put us in a box and in a bind where we live our lives a certain way. But Jesus is always countercultural. And he says there is a better way to live that, um, that you're not going to learn from the Kardashians. Or the housewives of New Jersey, if they're still on. Or my, my wife told me that there was a show on, on uh, Extreme Cougars. I have no idea. Is it a zoo show? I don't know what that is. But anyway, I, I don't know what that was, but it was a little bit frightening. She said she couldn't watch it, and I'm, I'm glad. So anyway, uh, there, there is, uh, there, there's this, this whole dynamic that takes place that we're surrounded every day by a cultural trend and and it shapes how we think and 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 even how we live but but Jesus is saying there's a better way to live especially as followers of Christ you must live a different way because we are followers of Christ and if we're literally followers of Christ if we're Christians if we're followers of Christ that means that we're going to live our life the way Jesus did Let's just get that real simple, okay? The, again, I'm trying, this is a real simple message. If we're going to live life to its fullest, it's because we're living our life the way Jesus lived it. And so Jesus is trying to get us to understand how to have a better way of life. And, and it begins when we break out of the mold that says, I've got to have first seat. Or sit at the seat of recognition and power and authority. Now you look at James and John. Okay, so Jesus has just said, I'm going to go die. James and John come up and say, well, Jesus, listen, hey, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. I won't, that's a different message, but let me just say this. Jesus is not Santa Claus. And we need to stop treating him like he is. He is not, uh, he does not exist to be at our beck and call and answer whatever we want him to do. Some of us as parents, we wouldn't let our children treat us like that. And yet we turn around and we treat Jesus like that. And we're teaching our children to treat Jesus like that. It's got to stop. Jesus is not a cosmic Santa Claus uh, who exists to you know, do whatever we want him to do. By the way, there's nothing wrong with asking Jesus to do stuff. I mean, that's, there's nothing wrong with that at all. My, my, uh, uh, second daughter, Elizabeth just went to uh, college, took her yesterday, uh, to uh, start her freshman year and freshman orientation. And, uh, and so she starts, uh, she's, she's in the mix of it today. And, and, uh, we, we, uh, we went there and, and my prayer for, for, for God is this, oh God, will you please uh, be with Elizabeth as she starts her freshman year and protect her from all enemies, boys, and <laughs> keep her safe and guard her heart and all those things. That, that's, that's a good thing to pray because it's a good thing to pray because what I'm praying aligns with what I know that God wants. I mean, God wants that, so I want that, and I want that, and God wants that. It all fits. That's a good prayer. But for me to go to God and say, God, really, you know that the best thing that could ever happen is for the Dallas Cowboys to win the Super Bowl. Will you do that? 
it's done got serious up in here. No, no that's a, but really, I mean, that, there's, there's, Jesus is not Santa Claus to give us a football game. Although it seems very righteous to me that that would happen. It's not what Jesus, listen, 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 listen. We, we need to stop treating Jesus like some cosmic Santa Claus. Okay, that's not the message. That's a different message, but that's, that's freebie, okay? So uh, James and John say, give us what we want. We want, to, we want to be recognized. We want to sit in the seat of prominence in the kingdom or in the glory. In Christ's glory means that Jesus is in control. He's king. He's sitting in the, the highest seat. But uh, James and John say, well, you know, we kind of deserve to sit on your right and left. That means that, that at this big banquet feast... Uh, everybody's going to come and they're going to look at us and say, boy, those are two important people. And, and everybody's going to come and they're going to serve us and they're going to take care of us and they're, gonna, they're going to give us manicures and pedicures and, and, and they're going to take care of us because we are somebody. And, and the truth is, in our culture today, that's really what we look at in our life. Many, of the, many times the way we measure success or failure is by how recognized a person is or how important they appear to be. And, and, and many times we, as individuals, we, we come into this place, even this place, and we think, you know what? I deserve to be recognized, or I deserve to be taken care of, or I deserve to be served. But Jesus teaches us something different. He teaches us a better way to live. Look at verse 45 again. For the Son of Man came not to be, what's it say? Not to be served, but to serve. So the very first thing we need to understand, we're going to experience the better way of life. It's as Jesus served, we serve. As Jesus served, we serve. As Jesus served, we serve. We're not going to put ourselves in a place where we're living contrary to the one who has rescued us. Jesus is our king, yes. We are his followers, yes. That means we do what he did. What did he do? He didn't come to be served. He came to serve. Now, let me ask you a question. You've been here. Some of you have been here for 49 minutes and 15 seconds. Some of you have been here a little bit longer than that since 930. And, and during that period of time, how many of us have thought to ourselves, boy, I want to serve somebody? And how many of us have thought to ourselves, well, they're not doing what I want them to do. They're not taking care of me. They're not meeting my needs. See, here's the thing as followers of Christ. If we're going to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, our first thought and our final thought can't be what's in it for me or how you're going to serve me or how you're going to meet my needs. But rather, our first and final thought has to be, how can I serve you? How can I serve you? How can I serve you? And boy, that kind of flies in the face of what we really like. And can I just share with you one thing? This passage convicts me. It convicts me. You know conviction. You know what that means. It means I, I, I feel a sense of absolute heaviness in my heart because I know I'm not doing what God wants. That's conviction. And I'm praying that somebody in this room feels a little bit of conviction with me because I'm feeling kind of lonely up here. Now, do, do, do you have that selfish streak? 
Now, you might say you don't, but ask your husband, your wife, your neighbor, your friend. They might have a different opinion. See, I think we all have that selfish streak where our first and final thought is all about ourselves. But here's what Jesus says. As followers of Christ, the DNA of Christ flows through his people. That's you and me. And the very DNA of Christ is not to be served, but to serve. So we're here today, and we call ourselves followers of Christ, where his DNA flows through us. We call ourselves the church. We call ourselves the body of Christ, where this church, the DNA of Christ, flows through this church. And let me ask you individually a question. As a follower of Christ, are you more focused on being served or serving? It shows. It shows how we worship. It shows in how we uh, uh, relate to other people. It shows in how we talk to people in the hallway. It shows, uh, it shows in what we talk about. Not just on Sunday morning, but on Monday morning and Monday afternoon and, and, and Thursday and Tuesday and Friday. It shows what our focus is. But as followers of Christ, what did Jesus say? For the Son of Man, even the Son of Man, the very creator of the universe, the King himself, the one who deserves to be served, he didn't come looking to be served. But he came to serve. Now, what about you? Have you come to serve? Or have you come to be served. Just let that one roll around a little bit. I mean, it's, it's rough. I'm telling you, it's rough because all of us want somebody to take care of us. We want somebody to recognize, well, I want this. Why don't you meet my needs? As a pastor, and believe me, I hear it all the time as a pastor. Well, if you really cared about me, dot, dot, dot. My response is, well, I really care about my wife. You know, we're not dating or anything, you know. Hey, come on, really? You're, you're going to throw, if you really cared, if you loved me, you would do dot, dot, dot. Really? You want to throw that one? Come on, really? But I hear that. And really what they're saying is, I want my needs met. And because you're not meeting my needs, can I tell you there is a stage in the Christian walk where we as followers of Christ need to be preeminently concerned with feeding other people. You know when that is? When they're babies. When, a, when, when a, 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 these 23 children who came to know Christ as Savior and King this week, we need to be focused on feeding them. Why? Because they're babes. And they desperately need for us to, to be intentional in feeding them, in serving them. A baby, what does a baby know to do? Well, they just need to, all they know is to receive what you're given. And so we need to give, all right? But some of us have been followers of Christ for 20 and 30 and 40 and 50 years, and we're still acting like babies. Look, there comes a crossing of the Rubicon in our spiritual journey as followers of Christ where we're no longer focused on what I'm getting, but we're focused on what I'm giving. 
It's not what I'm receiving. It's what I'm sending. It's not being served, but it's serving. And most of us in this room, I have to tell you, most of us in this room should be there already. We should be there already. So today, here's the question. Are you here to be served or to serve? As followers of Christ, we need to do what Jesus did. As Jesus served, we serve. But if we serve the way Jesus served, it also means sacrifice. So as Jesus served, we served. And as Jesus sacrificed, we sacrifice. That's number two. Again, simple message. Remember what Jesus said. For the Son of Man has come not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. There's the picture of sacrifice. Again, looking at what Jesus began this talk with in verse 32, he said, I'm going and I'm going to die. And God's going to raise me from the dead three days later. Well, why is Jesus going to die? To be a ransom for many. When James and John said, we want to sit to the right and left, Jesus said, you don't even know what you're asking for. You've got to be willing to drink the cup and, and, and be baptized with the same baptism that I'm going to go through. And, and he's talking about sacrifice. When he says, whoever wants to be great among you, you've got to be servant of all. If you desire to be first, you've got to be slave to all. He's talking about sacrifice. What is sacrifice? Sacrifice is giving up something that we like in order to bless someone else. Jesus gave his life as a ransom for many. Jesus died as a ransom. Now, ransom is a huge word. A huge, huge word. I'm trying to break it down, keep it real simple. Ransom is price paid to set a prisoner free. Ransom is the debt being paid by someone else. Jesus was saying, I came to die so that you could live. That's sacrifice. Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Sacrifice. Jesus said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son might also glorify you. As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given to him. And this is eternal life, that they might know you, the only true God. And Jesus Christ, whom you have sent, I have glorified you on the earth. I've finished the work that you've given me to do. And a few verses later, he dies. Sacrifice. Jesus died so that sinners like you and me could live. And his DNA flows through us as followers of Christ. And if we're going to live our lives the way Jesus lived, it means that we're going to have an attitude of sacrifice. An attitude of sacrifice simply means that I'm ready to give up something that I like, something that makes me comfortable, something that I enjoy. I'm willing to give it up 
If that's going to help you or someone else see a gloriously uh, loving Savior named Jesus. Means I'm ready to let go the things that I value if it will help you see Jesus in all of his glory and the sacrifice that he made so that you could be forgiven your sin. Sacrifice. It means that we hold loosely to the things that are making us comfortable and hold tightly to the gospel and the passionate advance of the gospel so that sinners might be saved. Sacrifice. Sacrifice means that we give up our time, our energy, our resources, our passions, our purposes in order to advance the gospel so that others might have the joy, the benefit of the life that we have in Christ. Sacrifice. Jesus died so that we could live. When did we get the idea that we didn't have to sacrifice anything as followers of Christ? There's a great uh, transaction that takes place. It's a transaction of God's grace where we are rescued by his love through faith in Jesus Christ because of Christ's sacrifice. But once we become a follower of Christ, Jesus pours his DNA in us by his spirit. And he pours his DNA in us so that now, as followers of Christ, we have the DNA of Christ in us, which means we are no longer self-centered, self-focused, self-fulfilling, but rather now we are God-honoring, others-serving, and sacrificial so that others might be rescued from the prison in which they live. Can I ask you, are you sacrificing so that others might be saved? Again, simple message, deep theological truth. As followers of Christ, there is a mandate on our heart, on our life, on our church to serve God and serve others by being a sacrifice, pointing those who are in chains to their own sin under the condemnation and the judgment of sin, pointing them to a glorious rescuer named Jesus who went to a cross and died in their place so that they might be forgiven and live. What are we sacrificing so that sinners might meet Jesus? What are you sacrificing? It leads to a better life. The Apostle Paul said it this way. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Jesus said it this way. If you want to follow me, you've got to deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow after me. Friends, we have to stop living life the way we want. And start living life the way Jesus says. As Jesus served, we serve. As Jesus sacrificed, we sacrifice. So what does that look like? 
Well, it looks like this. When we leave this place, in a few moments, when we leave, we need to walk out those doors, or maybe even before we walk out those doors, we need to be on the lookout. We need to be searching. We need to find somebody to serve. Somebody's got to serve somebody today. You need to find somebody to serve. If you have to go out to the street, stop a car in the traffic and pull them out of the car and say, let me serve you after they bail you out of jail, then somebody serves somebody. You've got to find avenues and opportunities to express the very heart of Christ to others. Somebody serve somebody. That's why we're doing Big Serve in two weeks. Big Serve is not an opportunity for us to get our name out there. Big Serve is an opportunity for us to communicate with people in Hampton Roads that there is a Savior whose name is Jesus who cares deeply about them in their need. That's why we're doing it. And today, if you're not involved in in a Big Serve project, go to the Guest Information Center and find one. Go to your life group and say, let's organize one. Find a life group that's already in existence, already got one going. Say, can we join you? Let's be involved in serving. And when we get back together on on September 1st, that evening, for uh, our corporate worship gathering together as a family of faith, and when we uh, take communion together, there's going to be such a, a, a season of celebration. Why? Because the church has been the church. The DNA of Christ has come out, and we have served as Jesus served. That's big serve, and everybody needs to be involved. There's also a thing called life groups, and in your copy of the first edition, there's, a, there's an insert that looks like this. And uh, on the front, it says, His Story, Ours to Tell, and there's some needs for ministry uh, leadership. Uh, on the back side, there's a place for you to fill out your name and make a commitment, and I'm, I'm asking you to make a commitment today. I'm asking you to make a commitment. If, if you're in leadership and you're committing to return to leadership, if you're not in leadership and you're ready to be in leadership, leadership is just another word for service, by the way. Leadership starts with service. It, it's not about your resume. I told you last week or a couple of weeks ago, an individual came and said, I should be a deacon because of the resume that they brought in. Man, God doesn't care about your resume and serving the church. Come on, man. You know what he cares about? He cares about the DNA of Christ coming out in you and you being a servant. In the same way, in, in our life group structure, we, we, we need servants. We need, we need individuals who will commit to serve. And, and maybe that's you. You're not involved in a life group or you're in a, involved in a life group, but, but you've been kind of taking a back seat. And you know God has gifted you and God has called you. And it's time for you to serve. You make that commitment. You say, well, I don't know where that's going to be. Don't worry. We'll walk through that journey with you. We will help you. We're not just trying to plug holes. We're we're trying to help you find the place where God has fit you for service in life groups. So you make that commitment. Today I commit to serve as Jesus served. Today I commit to sacrifice as Jesus sacrificed. It is a better way to live and the result we find deeper satisfaction as we watch lives changed for eternity just like this last week at children's camp because I don't know how many 
counselors and junior counselors committed to serve because of their service, 23 young people had their hearts and lives and eternities changed. And they crossed the line of faith and they became followers of Jesus. That is how God wants to use you if you will commit to serve as Jesus served and sacrifice as Jesus sacrificed.